providing insights into waste and recycling and changing the culture of the industry along the way. This is Sustainable Waters, a podcast from Denali Water Solutions. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Denali Water Solutions podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the podcast. I'd like to point you to DenaliWater.com if you'd like to find previous or upcoming episodes of the show, uh, as well as some other content, blog, video, and article content, and more information about Denali Water Solutions and our solutions. You can also find this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure you're subscribing on there, and you'll be getting pings for the most uh, current and updated episodes. So for today's episode of the podcast, we're talking all things composting. So though Denali began as a water solutions company, its product portfolio has grown to include various solutions now, uh, including things for the management, handling, disposal, and conversion of many types of organic waste materials. In that mix is composting operations and compost products. So you could say that here at Denali, we're passionate about composting. So today's conversation is highlighting composting from a few different perspectives, but the main ones being getting a highlight of the current state of the industry, as well as pulling from experience on uh, the careers of two composting experts and aficionados to get a better sense for why composting is important uh, as an industry and why it's important to other businesses and other industries. For insights today, we're joined by Ryan Serrato. He's the VP of Product Marketing for Denali Water Solutions. And we're joined by Rod Tyler. And Rod is the president and owner of Green Horizons Environmental. Rod is also the inventor behind Garden Socks, which uses locally made compost to grow organic food naturally with 90% less water, little to no weed pressure, and healthier crops. So plenty of experience to pull from here. Ryan, Rod, great to have you both on. How are you doing? Doing great, Dan. Thank you. Doing great, Dan. Thank you. Excited to get all of your thoughts on this. It's a uh, it's a topic that I think sounds niche off the top, but is way more ubiquitous than many people might uh, believe. And so I think that's what the purpose of this podcast is, is pulling the curtain back and giving everyone a little more insight on the importance of composting. Let's start with just what composting is, in case there are any folks listening to the podcast that need a refresher or don't really know how to define it practically, what is composting? Well, I'll, uh, I'll take a crack at that one. Um, composting is a, nature's oldest form of recycling. In fact, if you just take a walk in the woods and look at all the tree litter and everything down there, you don't see last year's leaves because they've decomposed. And that's a slower form of composting that's been around for centuries. And what we do is we make that faster. We accelerate that by creating systems and methods and use equipment that makes composting happen in 30 to 60 to 90 days for all types of feedstocks. And if y'all could give us a little historical context here, how has composting over centuries uh, helped life both personally and professionally uh, for living people. I mean, it doesn't even have to be in the context of our modern society. Uh, how has composting helped shape culture and helped shape um, 
I guess the human race, if you want to get um, you know esoteric with it a little bit, um, give us just a little background on the use cases for composting over the years. I think I'll let Rod talk about the history, um, but maybe I can start us off by talking about currently what it's done, uh, what it's done for for the industry uh, thus far, and and kind of what we experience now is um, the most common theme that we get from people is that. You know, when we're at trade shows and conferences, is man, I didn't realize that there was such a large movement and such a large industry behind compost and composting. Um, that's the number one thing that we hear. And when new folks, maybe just out of college or just into our industry, join us at these events, they're just so enamored by the amount of people that are currently involved in the industry. We employ so many people, and it's a great industry to be involved in. It's um. It doesn't, you know, at times it, it kind of feels like you're, uh, you know, you, I don't want to say it's completely stress-free, but you know, you're doing, you're doing good for the earth. You're doing good for people. And that tone of that kind of flows through our industry very well. So it's a fun place to be. It's a fun arena and it's growing every year. Uh, we attend conferences that get bigger and bigger and bigger, and we see a lot more young faces at them. Um, you know, I, I was a, I was a younger face at those conferences, uh, you know, seven, eight years ago when I started in, in the industry. And Rod's been in the industry for, geez, over 30 years. So he's really seen it, really seen it grow from um, when people had no idea what compost even was to uh, compost being such a, a buzz term now. Oh, come on, Ryan. I'm not that old. I mean, I have been <laughs> in it a while, but come on. No, seriously, you know, composting has been around, like I said, a long time. And there's even authors like Walt Whitman in 1856 have written about composting and they talked about composting being very, very important to ancient nations like the Mayans. There's evidence that they had composted. So the, the, the historical thing is, is very crazy and steep in knowledge of understanding that composting helps grow great vegetation. Um, you know, composting kills weed seeds and diseases and bacteria so it's a way to end the, the transfer of those things to the future generations. As, as we know it lately, though, in the last 30 years, composting has developed into an industry where food waste, leaf and yard waste, biosolids, basically anything organic can be composted. So it's taken the pressure off of landfills, and it's helped actually create a profession called a compost manufacturer. And so these are very interesting uh, connections to the future because this group of people composting now has been together for 30 years. So how can composting be compared to some of the other uh, recycling initiatives like recyclings of plastic and metal that have become uh, popularized and standardized over the last several decades um, and uh, often uh, recycling operations can be uh, outsourced and it seems like the trend for composting operations can be uh, encouraging people to uh, start up local operations for composting uh, due to the nature of composting compared to recycling other materials. So give us a little side-by-side -side comparison. How does the process and the impact on the businesses and communities uh, differ between composting and then other popularized forms of recycling? Uh, you know, the, the funny thing is that compost is way different than a lot of your other recyclables like plastic or aluminum or metal because as many folks know, 
the plastics market was built and sold to China. And in a matter of less than a year, our plastic recycled market went to zero because we had no market. We didn't create a local market. The opposite of that is true with composting. We have gone after 100% local markets for the past 30 years. All of the values have increased over the last 30 years. And I would consider that a solid effort to sustainability and our carbon footprint as, a, as an industry to get that product to market in hands of people that want it. Absolutely. I would second that completely. I think that what's so unique about compost and what makes it so cool is it really is just such a local product. Um, we operate facilities, composting facilities all over the country. And what's so cool about what we do is that our entire goal is to keep that compost as close to our composting facilities as possible. And by doing that, we're doing a bunch of different things. One, we're, we're putting this great sustainable product back into our own communities. Uh, number two is we're helping local people grow great stuff. And number three is we're, we are reducing a carbon footprint because we're not trucking this material all over the country. A lot of times plastic and metal recycling, that stuff gets loaded up on pallets or loaded up in box trucks and it gets shipped all over the place. Um, compost really stays local. So, um, that's, a, that's a good feel. And it really, that, that part of it in, is something that's enjoyable, uh, by everybody in our industry, because we get to, like I said, give that, give that product right back to the local communities in which we operate. What's great about this conversation is that both of you have years and years of experience now, uh, amid, uh, the composting industry and, uh, learning, exactly what makes it thrive and growing just a personal appreciation for it. So I want to track those two professional careers here for a second. Uh, Ryan, let's start with you. So at Denali, uh, your team operates a subsidiary called We Care Denali, which runs compost facilities across the U.S. for biosolids, green waste, uh, and other organics to then manufacture a variety of organic products like more compost or engineered soils and roof mix. Why did Denali add We Care Denali to the portfolio of products and services? And what was the value financially, but then also, you know, what was the value seen in adding the craft of composting to your organic solutions? Well, that's a great question. I'm going to do my best to answer it. Uh, the problem is I answering that question. I came from the WeCare side. So uh, Denali acquired our company um, and I was always originally on the WeCare side. But I so I can't tell you exactly why all the details as to uh, the exact purpose of why Denali brought composting in and our group in. But what I can tell you is that um, I can tell you that we kind of closed the loop. So um, Denali does so many great things in managing wastewater and organics management around the country, but they were not doing that one final step, which was composting. And, um, you know, that really, by having us as part of their group, it really closes the loop for everybody. So it allows us to have access to all the other great organic management services that are going on around the country. And it allowed the folks at Denali to have access to the composting work that we do. And there really was never, you know, I've, I've worked for a few different companies and I've done a lot of, a lot of cool stuff in my career uh, thus far, but really I, I've never seen a better match than this. And our group kind of gelled with their group immediately. And we've now created this great joint 
uh, company, We Care Denali LLC, that handles all of our organics management, composting facilities and operations around the country. And that group is really excelling and it's growing every year. And, um, we're, you know, we're renewing our composting contracts at different municipalities around the country and we're designing and building new facilities all over the place. And it's really just been a, a, a perfect match, I think, for both sides. All right. Now, Rod, uh, after graduating with degrees in agronomy and crop science, you took that knowledge and founded Green Horizons Environmental uh, with now over 30 years of industry experience in consulting on compost and product marketing and new product development for organic products and more. Uh, then came Garden Socks, another composting project. So what is it about composting that has piqued your career interests for almost 40 years now? Uh, and why do you keep coming back to this industry for business ventures? Well, it's a good question. I'll tell you, the funny thing is that... Um I had no intention of being in the composting industry, but when I was digging a, a raised bed garden and I was trying to work the soil and get it to what Rodal Institute's standards were, I needed compost. So I was introduced to compost by actually using it and using a lot of it. But when I got back from vacation in July or August, I couldn't fight the weeds. And so I think everybody has the same issue and therefore um, the garden socks were invented, but that's, that's for another discussion. So the development of the industry and how all this has gone on has been just amazing in 30 years. When you look at something that I used to deal with of walking in a garden center and asking for compost 30 years ago, everybody would look at you and say, you mean peat moss. And now in every single garden center, every single big box store, you see bags of compost for sale. So I believe you're gonna see it continue to be specialized, more local. You're starting to see compost being used locally for urban farms. And there's a whole scale of changes that composting and using a compost has allowed us to actually use compost as a tool to change. And that's what I really uh, like to hear about um, different career paths for landing in something like composting is that it seems like even for the uninitiated or, uh, you know, Rod, for you, after graduating with degrees in agronomy and crop science already, um, you know, exposing yourself to the science and the utility of that field, it was really getting firsthand experience with the utility of compost that broadened your vision to uh, the business practicality and uh, the potential for launching a business in the field, um, but also for just the broader advocacy for compost use. So I find that really interesting. Yeah, what you might find more interesting is my first interview for the composting sales position, I went to interview and had already given my notice for my former job. And I rode around back of the composting facility where my now new boss told me that I had to sell 30,000 yards of compost. Could I do that? I said, sure, no problem. Well, I really didn't have a you know metric on what a cubic yard was. And we drove around the corner and I saw 30,000 cubic yards. And he looked at me and said, you already gave your notice, didn't you? <laughs> I said, yeah. 
So yeah, that's the indoctrination of quickly getting a calculator and figuring out how many truckloads that was. And long story short, uh, we were sold out by May. But um, that's been a, a trial by fire. And I think Ryan might even have a similar story. Yeah, it's funny. You know, that that experience that Rod that Rod went through, um, I, you know, it's funny that I almost went through the exact same scenario. So when I was hired by WeCare uh, quite some time ago, it was maybe seven or eight years ago when I first started with the company uh, prior to Denali uh, merging with us. I was hired to sell, uh, biosolids compost in New Jersey and Pennsylvania and New York. And, um, I remember going to the facility on the first day. I hadn't actually seen the compost facility. Um, I had done all my interviews in person off site. I had never actually been there. So I went to this facility the first day and, um, you know, I started touring the facility there with the facility manager and I was looking at the piles just going, Oh my Lord. I, I don't, I don't know what I got. I don't know what I got myself into here. And I did the same thing quickly i you know i started saying all right well how much does a pickup truck hold and i said well about a uh, one one and a half cubic yards and i said well how much does a dump truck hold well about 25 cubic yards and i said well how much does a tractor trailer hold and they said about 50 cubic yards and they said well, we have about 50,000 here and i said all right so i started doing the math and realizing that uh i had to sell a lot of trucks of compost and we started out slow and we took a very methodical approach and um I had some great leadership uh, at WeCare and that, that I still do that um, really guided me through the process. And I learned pretty quick um, what exactly needed to happen to move large volume and the right targets and the right customers. And, and that's what I went after. And we've been very successful over the past seven or eight years since I've been running this program for WeCare. And we've just, you know, we move a lot of material every year uh, to a great customer base and we make sure we keep the product going out the door for high value. And that's the key. So let's get into some of the industry dynamics for composting now. Uh, how have composting practices and subsequent composting and uh, organic products improved over the years? And how has this impacted the industries that benefit the most from composting, especially today's modern agricultural logistics chain? That's a great question. And um, I'll talk a little bit on that. And then I'm going to kick that over to Rod, too, because he's probably going to have some insight in addition to mine. But uh, the 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 quality of the of the product, 100 uh, percent determines the end use. OK, we say that all the time. And if you don't if you're not making a high, high quality product, you can't sell it to a high value market. It's not possible. So. What has happened over the years as compost started, there were some players out there who were, and Rod will talk more about this, but there were some players that may or may not have been composting properly or putting out the highest quality product. And then you start, had some companies come out and some composters come out that started putting out some really nice product. And they started in the bar for what quality compost is. Not only in appearance, not only in odor, but in analysis and having it tested. And we're talking about, you know, consistency in things like pH, organic matter content, soluble salts, um, man-made inerts and, and stuff that goes into the analysis of compost. Uh, so once we were able to set the bar there, the leading composters in the country are not only striving to make such a high quality product that's so aesthetically pleasing, they need to meet the criteria of these strict analysis for high value projects, or there's no way they're going to be able to sell their product into those arenas. So we do things like supplying compost that goes into specialty soil blends that go on top of rooftop gardens. So having a very high quality compost in that product is imperative or else it just doesn't work. And as our industry continues to grow, there's more landscape architects and engineers that are specifying very, very tight 
parameters on compost and specialty soils. So in order to even play ball in this ballpark, you have to be putting out a product now that is high quality and can bring high value. Yeah, Ryan, I agree. And, you know, um, I was part of the team that developed all the use guidelines for the U.S. Composting Council and also the seal testing assurance. It's a program that all composters should test through and all purchasers of compost should verify that their product has been STA tested. That said, a long time ago in a faraway place, compost was compost. And the ability to distinguish what Ryan says is a good compost and what I say is a good compost did not exist. So the development of that program through our national charter organization, the U.S. Composting Council, gave us a premise to test, produce test results, and provide directions for use. Very simple. And the reason is because... There may be some companies out there that research a lot of data and spend millions of dollars and they want you to use it in a specific way. That's great. Follow their directions. If you buy a product from somebody else, follow their directions. It's a very simple program. And actually what that has done is that has been able to raise the value and an appearance of value for compost from zero to $5 a yard to 15 or 20 or $30 a yard. And the compost manufacturers are doing their job, they're making their product, and they're doing all their quality control to make sure that when the customer gets it, it's exactly what they got before. Now, I know there's also uh, some high-level structure to the future of the composting industry that I'm sure also helps dictate uh some composting practices and where composting products might evolve uh, over the years, that would be the U.S. Composting Council. Uh, Could you give us a little context on how that leadership structure works for the industry, what kind of decision-making the Composting Council even has over the industry, and what is its impact on the industry? Sure, I can give that a crack. And then, Ryan, because you're probably going to get voted to the board pretty soon, I'll let you put in a comment for that. Um, okay. Ma- manifesting <laughs> it on the podcast. Very nice. Just put that out there for anybody who wants to nominate him. Right, um, right. <laughs> you know, basically, the U.S. Composting Council was formed because a bunch of concerned, good quality composters wanted to separate themselves from the average guy that just piled up stuff in his 40 acres and never went back and got it. So, for those of us who were making good compost, we wanted to ensure that we had a group of people that agreed with us. Uh, Many of those in the room were U.S. EPA, USDA, and we actually built a small structure of just a few members um, almost 30 years ago that wanted to have science determine what the compost use guidelines were. And there was a tremendous amount of research done from USDA, EPA, and a lot of private money that went into developing the actual use guidelines we have today. So for instance, if your pH falls between six and eight, you can use it for these applications with no problem. Um, And so those are the types of things that have evolved. But the other things that the Composting Council has done from a policy standpoint has been to reverse yard waste trimming bans. Um, We've been able to be influential 
in getting down Monsanto to relabel their pesticides because we were finding they were resident in compost after composting. This is a toxin to plants. And so we were able to do a lot of things, both politically and uh, industry-wide, that helped shape the industry into what it is today. The latest one was to file for an official industry classification code by NAICS, which is an, which is an ACE code, your standard SIC code. The composting industry is just now getting one 30 years later. That's quite the, uh, quite the delay then, I guess, compared to other industries, huh? Well, I think one of the problems is unless you have a critical mass, it doesn't move the needle on their scale of what they're counting, okay? I mean, that's really the bottom line. Now that we have lots and lots of composters, there's over 4,000 across the U.S., there's some scale there. And for me, I mean, to talk about the U.S. Composting Council is really just to, to talk about what I live and breathe every day. That that organization is such an integral part in our success, uh, my personal success, prof- well, my personal success professionally within my company um, and in our industry and our company's success. You know, being, we're, we're one of the largest participants in the country in the United States Composting Council STA program, which is the seal of testing assurance program that Rod talked about and that he helped actually develop. And... The reason we are enrolled, we enroll all of our compost products in that program is because it gives the customer reassurance that we're doing the right thing. The customer knows that if we're enrolled in that program and we're so invested in testing that we have to be putting out a product that is going to be useful and that's not going to hurt anybody and it's going to perform well in whatever application they're looking for. So it's always, you know, for our salespeople who are out selling product, it's always one of our key sales points is that, listen, you know, you may be apprehensive about using a certain type of compost. You may not know too much about it, but let me talk to you about what the STO, STA program is, and let me talk to you about the U.S. Composting Council. And when we relay that information confidently to the customer and we provide them the disclosure sheet that has all the testing analytics, all the data points and everything, it really just kind of puts everybody at ease. So that that organization has just been, you know part of the backbone of our sales program and also just the information um, going to the annual conference every year, just getting everybody together and, and talking compost and talking industry and, you know, maybe sharing a beer or two around the bar and, and, and talking about compost um, and, and how it's, how it's working in their region. It's so valuable. And we enjoy that every year. And the U S composting council just does a great job across the board. Uh, we love it. We couldn't be more proud to be part of it. I think uh, an aspect of the composting industry that isn't that well known is the scale that y'all were just talking about. Um, you know, finally reaching some prevalence as a market where uh, you know you could kind of colloquially say that it is uh, surprisingly large. Uh, what do you think has led to growth of the composting market and for the utility of composting products? And do you think it has anything to do with, um, I guess, more social awareness around general sustainability and pressure for businesses to be... Uh, employing sustainability and uh, green practices regardless of industry? You know, that's a great question. And that's one that I love to talk about. So it's interesting what I've seen just over the past seven or eight years of what's happened to the industry. So, you know, when I started, I remember going to my first U.S. Composting Council conference. I was at the time, I was probably 27 or 28 years old. And I remember being the youngest person everywhere I went. 
no matter whether it was a dinner we went to or it was sitting around the hotel bar with folks or we were in a networking event or in one of the sessions, I was always the youngest in there. And slowly over the past, you know, I would say the past three or four years, that dynamic has certainly changed. Not only have I gotten a little bit older, but the younger people who are now involved in our organizations and involved in our industry are way younger than I was when I started. So we're attracting such youthful people with energy that are so laser focused on our environment and laser focused on sustainability and regenerative practices in our country and our world that we just have this, this widespread wealth of knowledge and youthful energy that has infiltrated our industry. And it's awesome to see. Um, we have, we have so many great people, um, that have come on board with our company even recently that are, that are young and they're out of, just out of college and they want to do something that's going to help the earth. And working in this industry is a way to do that. You can go to work every day and say, I did something impactful today and I enjoyed doing it. And I think that's what's attracting everybody. And there's the other obvious things like social media becoming so popular and so many younger folks, you know, following their, you know, Instagram accounts and Facebook accounts and Twitter accounts and seeing the impactful work that we're doing and that our industry is doing. It's attractive to them. And um, a lot of the big composters, including ourselves, I mean, if you're not following us, on on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, you definitely should be. But um, you know, a lot of people are following us and they're seeing what we're doing, and we're very active and we're putting out engaging posts. Not every day, but every other day, maybe three or four times a week. And I think it's an attractant to to younger folks and even older folks who who want to take a stab at getting involved in our industry. And I th I think that's part of what's really led to this boom that I've seen. Like I said, you know, coming full circle over the past three to four years at these industry events. Yeah, and Ryan, I would agree with that. You know, the, the interesting thing is that the composting industry, and, and you mentioned before, it might be a little sneaky, right? Because nobody really realizes how large it is. But even in the company that I used to own, Filtrex, we invented these socks to replace Silfence. And last year before I left, our company used nationwide about 2 million cubic yards of compost. And we were a little sneaky as well, right? Who, who uses 2 million yards of compost compared to 30 years ago when, you know, I was trying to sell 30,000 yards and just a few years, 10 years ago when Ryan was trying to sell 50,000 yards. So what's happened is the industry, the architects, the engineers have gained confidence in the performance that has happened when they've used compost. And so what has developed is this amazing set of specifications around installation of turf and landscape and highway projects and green infrastructure and LID, which is low impact development and all this fabulous use for this great product. And, you know, if you're an engineer, you want to have a good name and you want good results. So when they try it and it works, they're going to use it again. And so it's kind of amazing that we've had this weird snail crawl for 30 years. But when we look back, it's like, holy cow, compost is so popular. We've been an overnight success, but it's taken a lot of hard work from great guys like Ryan, his whole team that we care, and a lot of the other people that are in the U.S. Composting Council. It's been a wonderful organization to be a part of. And there are not a lot of businesses you can go to work for and be in the same industry for 30 years. It's not common. 
All right, let's uh, wrap up the conversation by trying to take these insights and the importance of composting that y'all have uh, broken down and really try to apply it to how businesses can use composting today, why it's useful, how you even begin to invest in composting for your operation. Um, so let's just start with there. Generally, how can businesses take advantage of composting today and why should they be taking advantage of composting in the first place? Um, I know there are so many different applications from home to garden to farm. Um, but yeah, why and how should businesses take advantage of composting? There's two, uh, two ways to answer that. So there's the front side of it, which is why should businesses and institutions adapt a composting program of their own? So why should that school district down the road from you start separating their food waste from their uh, non-recyclable waste, from their organic waste, and all this stuff? Why should they start separating? Um, and the answer to that is simple. We're, you know, Denali slows. We're the landfill diversion, right? The less stuff we can put into the landfill, the better. So if we can start, we can start separating our organic waste at the source. Uh, that makes the project down the road a lot easier. Um, from the other side of the equation is what businesses can use compost? And there's a ton of them. There's so many, you know, something as simple as all the landscaping companies out there that are out there applying synthetic fertilizers. It's not necessary. Uh, compost is a tremendous fertilizer alternative. We could even, if we could even scoop up, you know, 5% of that business nationwide and have 5% of landscape companies who are doing uh, lawn and grass maintenance to switch from synthetic fertilizers to compost. The, the amount of compost that they would need is probably more than we produce right now in the country. Um, so there's all these little incremental changes that, uh, that we can, that we try to impact every day when we go to work. I mean, that's what I do, right? I, I go out every day and I try to get more people to use compost. That's my job. And that's what the folks who work with me do as well. So those are just two scenarios there from the front end and the back end. And I'll kick that over to Rod to talk a little bit more, maybe elaborate on both of those. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. You know, in order for somebody to use compost, whether they're in any of the markets, they got to kind of go through a transformational stage where they go from unaware, they don't know what compost is. They go to aware. Oh, okay. That's what compost is. I heard about it. Then they go to informed. This is the type of compost I need. And then they go to, they want the compost or they specify it because they're convinced that that's what they need to use. And that's what every new product in the world that has ever sold has to go through. I don't care if it's TVs or cars or whatever. You have to go through that process. And as we have gone through that process with composting, when we got into some of the new markets, we have actually invented and created new markets that not, did not previously exist. So for instance, some compost can be used to replace a mulch. Some compost can be used as part of topsoil. And so in both cases, people are already familiar with mulch and topsoil. When you start using compost for things like erosion control to replace silt fence, People, people look at you and say, well, how is that possible? Well, it works better, costs less. And so that's how that market started to grow dramatically. As the specifications were written, there's many states now that have banned silt fence. 
And so that has created a gigantic market and appetite for compost. As we look at urban gardens, agriculture, there was a recent movie, The Need to Grow, that was filmed, has won countless film festival awards, and talks about using compost to grow local food. It's getting more nutrients, more antioxidants, um, more flavor, and more mass than any other system that's used out there. And so when we look at the reasons for believing, these are all natural reasons that we're here before we got here. And when you start thinking about how to harness it, package it, and give it to people, make it simple for them to use, you can really get into some wonderful value sets where theoretically we would never produce enough compost. So to Ryan's point, as you just take one of these little things if they use it across the country, we wouldn't be able to make enough product. And that's a good thing because it calls into recycling food waste and other animal waste, that some that are not being composted now, and a lot of other things we could compost. All right, I want to end now and, and thank you for all that context and uh, giving us some clear um, advice on how businesses can take advantage of composting. Uh, I want to end by letting y'all just kind of riff a little bit on any fun composting stories you might have. Um, and if you can tie those into any of our broader insights we've had today, that'd be great. But I know you're both deeply involved in this industry and, uh, you know, composting can bring some, some fun <laughs> dynamics. So I'd like to just hear some stories of y'all working through those composting challenges and what you've learned from them. You know, it's funny. Um, I never knew uh, how much math went into composting and you would never, you would never think <laughs> that. And it's, what's funny is I was never good at math when I was a kid in school. And I, I, I just always was a believer. Maybe that's why I'm in business now. I always said, why, why do I have to learn how to do math? There's calculators. I just never understood that. Right. So I always relied on the calculator and sometimes I couldn't use one on the test, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. So when I got involved in composting, I started, uh, I started having to work with some turf managers and, um, they would start asking me about, you know, pounds per thousand square foot of nitrogen. Uh, when I put down compost versus a synthetic fertilizer, I would be like, man, I, I just, I don't know how to answer that question. I can't even figure it out. And, and the relationship, uh, that's when the relationship really started to broaden between Rod and I, because I went to him and I said, Rod, how do I do this math? And, uh, you know, he would sit down and he would, you know, multiple times got on an airplane and flown from Ohio to New Jersey and sat down in a hotel conference room with me and talked me through some of this stuff and, you know, really learning it along the way. And, um, you know, he's been a great resource for me there. And that's always been fun. It's always been fun and funny to realize that there's just so there's just so much about it there's something so technical, right? About the most, the oldest and most basic form of organic recycling there's ever been, right? You, when you think about compost, you just don't think that there's this whole technical thing behind it. And really it's, it's surprising how much science and how much mathematics and how much just experience uh, goes into developing a successful program. Yeah, Ryan, you know, it's funny. Um, I, I appreciate your friendship. And, uh, you know, one of the greatest values that I have 
in being at my age and being, as Ryan said, so old, um, one of the greatest values I have is this culturing of younger generations to come, you know, as us older guys fade out a little bit. But some of the funniest stuff that has happened to me over the years has been taking things like Ryan's talking about and putting them in layperson's terms and kitchen logic that anybody can understand. And it's the funniest reaction. As soon as they, as soon as they understand it, they go, oh, well, that's not that hard. What's worried about? You know? And so when you start talking about this nitrogen thing, for example, it's always the bugaboo and how fast does it release? And I just describe it to say, you know, this is a natural product. How much nitrogen does your plant need every day? Does it need that whole 50-pound bag of fertilizer in your shelf? No. It just needs a little pinch just to dissolve every day and go down its root systems. And you know what? That's how compost releases its nutrients, is daily as the plant needs them. And so I can go into complicated mathematics and tell you all that stuff, or I can tell you the simplistic version, the kitchen logic that you can use with your family, and they don't need to be a math major. And, and Ryan and I have had a lot of fun with that with customers. And the, the, even the most detailed mathematical ones have chuckled when we've explained stuff like this to them. So it's been fun to work with them on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's multiple that I can think of, but I remember working with, you know, uh, developing relationships with some nursery growers in South Jersey and standing out there and looking at this nursery grower who owns this massive nursery that supplies plants to the Home Depots and the Lowe's and the garden centers all over the place. And he has thousands and thousands of plants growing and he's got hoop houses as far as the eye can see. And, um, we, we stood there in front of him. He was having a little bit of a problem with one of his, uh, one of his grasses that he was growing ornamental grass. And we kind of just looked at him and said, listen, we could talk all day about this, you know, but you just got to trust us. Compost works. And, you know, he just kind of laughed and, and, and he tried it and uh, it actually solved this problem. We, he was having a very, this is a very technical conversation. We're not going to get into the whole thing, but uh, you know, he was having a very special problem or a very unique problem with a certain species of grass and he couldn't figure it out. And we just said, let's just throw some compost at it and see what happens. And it turns out that it, that it solved this problem. So um, there's been some unique situations like that where we've had some fun with it and educating people for me has always been the most part, uh, the most fun part of this. I, um, I always tell the salespeople who work for us and salespeople who are getting involved in this industry is that uh, education builds value. And if you can educate your customers on the benefits of the product and how it's going to help them and how they can incorporate it into their existing management plans without having to change, they're going to see value in that and they're going to buy the product. And then once they buy the product and they see it perform, they're going to buy it again. And it's always fun to see that light bulb go off for people. Even people who you know looked at me in the eye and said, oh, this is never going to work. Then they call me a couple of weeks later and they say, wow, I've never seen grass this green. This is unbelievable can I get another five loads? You know, and that's, that happens all the time. So that's, that's always a lot of fun for me. All right, y'all. I think that wraps our composting conversation for the day. So again, we've been chatting with Ryan Serrato and Rod Tyler. Thank you both so much for coming on uh, Denali Water Solutions podcast today. Uh, any final thoughts before we close the podcast? I'd just like to say thanks to Ryan and thanks to you for hosting 
And um, when you have a question about composting, you can go to uscompostingcouncil.com. And if you are in a, uh, you can also, Ryan will give you the directions for denali.com. Uh, but I appreciate the opportunity and I hope everybody has a good day. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, I, I appreciate you taking the time to do this for us. And, um, you know, I hope you were able to shed some light on our industry for some folks. And the goal here is maybe you know, if we can get a couple people to listen to this and, and learn a little bit about our industry and say, hey, man, that's a place I'd like to be. That's maybe that's an arena I'd like to play in. Um, that's the goal here. We want to attract new young people into our industry. We want to keep this thing going and and be prosperous as long as we can. Um, you can find us on the web at wecarecompost.com. Uh, you can find our, our, our corporate website, denaliwater.com. And uh, I believe it's uh, uscompostingcouncil.org or .com. I'm not sure on that. Try both uh, or just Google it. Most people Google things now anyway. Just put in U.S. Composting Council. You'll find a wealth of information there. And um, we hope you learned something from this and we thank you. All right. Thank you again, y'all. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Denali's podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes or upcoming episodes, you can head to DenaliWater.com. On there, you can find uh, plenty of our content as well as more information about Denali's services. And make sure you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leaving a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.